evening, everyone. It's time for another episode of the Everybody Counts podcast. We are talking about Bosch Season 5, Episode 7 this week. The Wisdom of the Desert, written by Jeffrey Fiskin and directed by Aaron Lipstadt. And I've got my guys with me this week. What's up, Jay? What's going on? Pete's in the house. What's going on? Hey, 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 back up off my line. Back up off my line. I say we jump on into our case review. There's a lot lot going on this episode, as usual. Really set some things up. Let's get into it. Let's start out with, I mean, we pick up with where we left off at 6. And Jerry's there at Whiteman Airport. And the, the plane has just flown off with his partner. And it's not good. You know, not what anybody Mm -hmm. expected. So um, he goes back into uh, the van and uh, hears Bosch's phone ringing. He's missed calls from Maddie, missed a call from Honey Chandler. Um, So he does take a moment to text Maddie and say they're going to be late. Very just a plain message. No detail. Just don't, you know, don't stay up. Your dad and I are working late. So that doesn't sound suspicious at all, right? Yeah, not even a little bit. Nope. Yeah, l- nope. Let me try to lie to Boss Jr. Good job. <laughs> yeah, Boss Jr. There you go. There you go. So, um, and then, of course, he has to let Billets know what's going on. And that puts her in a difficult position. She thinks, you know, we got to call, yep. you know, tell about this up the chain. And he cautions her, no, you know, it could, it could blow his cover. So she agrees to stall for a bit. They are interrupted, actually, in talking about that. I think that's when they're interrupted by uh, Vega. They got some crazy news about Oscar. Jose the end of the Jr. road. The end of the road. Yeah, you want to talk end about that, road. Jay? What they found out? Yep, they found him. They got him. Body's been found. They go down to check it out. It is a gruesome sight. Uh, uh, one of his hands, <clears throat> there are a couple broken bones in there, uh, obviously tortured to get some answers yeah. and then, uh, shot in the head. Yeah. And, uh, I think it was, I don't even remember who pointed it out now. Maybe it was, uh, Jay Edgar that pointed it out. They only did one hand. So I think that was Jay Edgar. I they, think so. uh, they obviously got the info they needed, which yeah. is not a good thing. Yeah. Cause Pierce was running late to the scene actually. Mm-hmm. He's probably he's probably looking for his merch. Right, traffic. Shameful. Uh-huh. Yeah, tra- that's traffic. All, that's always quotes. my yeah. excuse too. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I, one thing we should mention too is that uh, J. Edgar went back that night before and put a he put a tracker, didn't he, on the van underneath Smart the van? Move. Is that what Smart he was move. doing? Yeah. Yeah. To pick a lock, he's been doing a lot of lock picking this season. He's all sorts of like Beverly Hills cop this there season. There you go. Sneaky stuff. He's honest. Got skills. So I know Pete will be excited to talk about this. And when I wrote up my recap about the episode, I called this scene back to the future. Because we finally go back to the flash forward from episode yeah. one. Took long enough. Finally, finally connect back with that. So, uh, what do you think about that, Pete? Do you, do you like that storytelling, showing us that in the first episode, and then episode seven, we're back to finding out what really happened? Well, it's not really a question, Tracy, because you know the way I like my TV shows more than <laughs> most people, so you know that I'm all yeah. about this kind of format. So, yeah, it, yeah. You, you set me up pretty easy, but no. Um, 
<clears throat> I was so happy to see this happen because I've been waiting all season and I'm, I'm, I don't think it took too long. I think we got there right at the right time. I think, like you said, we're, we're caught up now. We got the front, mm-hmm. we got the back, we got the middle. Now let's see the ending. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we can, we can all, we were all breathing easier knowing that that gun was disabled. I think we found that out in maybe around episode four. Don't quote me on that. So that, you know, that took away some of the the stress, but still, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So who wants to talk about that scene? Walsh is not so kind, obviously, but he kind of, he kind of toys with Bosch kind of, needles him about his special forces you're not so special mm-hmm. now mm. things like that anything stand out to you guys bosh has way more self-control than he's ever let on before ever because yeah. you yeah. know usually he's a i'm gonna do whatever i want to get whatever done and blah 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 and i'm gonna do things my way and i think there were about 18 times that he wanted to punch the dude in the mouth <laughs> and yeah. very successfully held back and even even as a uh, quote unquote junkie. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If they would even take that much abuse. So he had a lot of self control there. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously he kind of had to. He doesn't want to wind up in a ditch or whatever. But huge self control handled it well and even played it off well. Like, okay, it doesn't really affect me because you know I do all this, all these pills, and I don't really know what's going on anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, overall, nice job, Bosch. Lucky yeah. you, uh, yeah. you handled that well. It was the the tension was definitely there and he felt the tension for reasons unknown to them right but, but he acted mm-hmm. you know, Bosch yeah. acted out the played out the tension that you know that that they you know would expect yeah. to be there so that was kind of interesting that he was emotional for other reasons and, and but he played it out like he was emotional because he thought they were gonna you know kill him so good job Titus Wellover Nicely let, me, let me just say about Walsh. I like him. I, I think what? What? I do. I like him. Listen, he's, he's he's the type of guy you expect to be a leader because he's smart. Did you hear the line that he said? What did he say? That um, let's see if this guy Dominic is too smart for his own good or not smart. Wait, what was that line? Or not smart? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought or that was a, yeah, or too yeah. smart to, to be of use yeah. to anyone. And yeah. I thought that was like a really um cool line. However. When I saw the moment of this episode, I was like, I have to talk about this, so I'm going to talk about it real quick. Okay. When Bosch makes a decision to get on the plane, right, to join mm-hmm. them and make his mm-hmm. last-minute decision and get on that plane and lose contact with Jagger for good, and Jagger loses him in the mix. Mm-hmm. Now, that's so un-Bosch-like because you look at the numbers and the chances that this guy has. Like, literally, it's one thing to be on an undercover operation inside your own area, but to, to go to nowhere where you're not going – it, it, it seemed a little uncharacteristic, especially considering if you're um, Harry Bosch, you have so much going on with this other case that you don't know how long you need to be gone for. You know, you you have a family. You know that your daughter just lost her mother, you know, recently. You, you mm-hmm. shouldn't make that decision. I felt like as much as I love this season and I love Bosch and I love the show, that was a bad decision if you ask me. And I, I'll, no one can tell me different. It was a bad decision. The percentages didn't add up to him and his unbosch like well, we see the outcome. <laughs> it, I mean, it was definitely risky, but we have seen Bosch. He's very, very adaptable, and we've seen him adapt in certain situations, uh, you know, plenty of situations before. So I kind of see it. I'm not like disagreeing with you, but I, I'm saying I, I see it more as a 
more extreme case of his adaptability. I mean, it was riskier. It was more extreme, but then, then we've he, ever seen him before, right? Yeah, then, yeah, okay. then we've ever so, seen him before. I agree. So now mm-hmm. we know this show has another season at least, and mm-hmm. most likely another five. You know, <laughs> how much so. more risky can sure. you be? Because, like I said, you you have a daughter who just lost her a mother. I mean, I feel like yeah. you can't put yourself in positions like that. And I'm sure that it'll come back to haunt him when he gets back into town and tells yeah. Maddie what's going on. She's gonna, it's gonna be rough. I feel he's gonna have a problem. I'm just yeah. saying. I mean, it was definitely a split second decision. Why don't you? I weigh think it in? was the wrong one, personally. I mean, you yeah. got to do what you got to do. Fifty-fifty, go one way or the other. And he went one way, and either, and actually, either way he goes, he's got to go in all in that direction. That's true. So he went true. that way. You go all in, and you hope for the best. Right. He's Bosch, man. He'll handle anything. He'll handle anything. <laughs> and and to Jay's point, there are risks either way. If he just outright blows his cover and stuff, you know, that creates right. a, you know, Any number of- some risk as well, you know, right. um, sort of after effects. But that's a good point. Good point. And, and about Walsh, I think you can think he's smart and intelligent without liking him because I don't like him. But I do I like agree him. that he's sharp. <laughs> Listen, you know, I hate a lot of people and I'm, a, I'm really not a fan <laughs> of bad guys. But every once in a while, a really good bad guy comes along like a Negan. And you got to like him. And I know that Walsh probably doesn't have a lot of time left because he's dealing with Bosch. And Bosch shows no mercy. But I, I like him. I don't know. Something just was like, all right, this guy's not that bad. I don't hate him. Not as bad as those other two suits that um, Jagger deals with. <laughs> I wish or people Tom. could see the look on my face. I wish they could see the look on my face. Yeah. I've got some eye rolling, head shaking. Right. Yeah. Some, yeah. Definitely definitely not on the same page. But, you know, that's what we're here. To each share our opinions. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. So we're going to get to those two guys, too, Pete, soon enough. I can't those wait. Two guys I, that, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> well, let's follow uh, Basha a little bit further in this episode. So he, they do let him go. And so he goes back to the bus, sitting there, looking out through the window of the bus, and he sees some lights, and a, they're unloading boxes from a truck, and he's watching all that. He doesn't quite know what it is. But he sees something going into some kind of big storage container and he writes something on a piece of paper. We don't know what it is. Puts it in his pocket. Uh, the next morning, he gets up, uses the Porter John, comes out, but doesn't go back to camp. He sneaks behind some of the bushes, gets closer look at that storage container. And uh, what, what did you guys see in there? Chemicals. Yeah, oh. there's some of those barrels that said flammable. Yeah, there was like a respirator mask. And then the boxes, I think, said some kind of something toy company. Yep, a in, toy company. From China, yeah. Mysterious, but does not look on the up and up. <laughs> I I assume that this was all um drug-making equipment, personally. I guess like they're, they're yeah, not. Inter- so. We don't we don't know of them to be. It's not like a. It's not a bomb that we know of. It seems like yeah. as of what they're doing. Yeah, and I, I'm led <laughs> to believe that too. That they're so, they've been talking about a bigger operation, moving on to to Glamis and and not continuing with the pill shill. So yeah, it, it's it's to me yeah, it's indicative of some other um, drug project, shall we call it? Um, something that something bigger. So. Yeah. Then he goes over and talks to Liz Clayton. She's having a smoke under a little tent area. And he thanks her 
for giving him the warning about that dude mm-hmm. Trey, and then she, she he offers her or she asks for one of his pills. You know, okay, trade. okay since you trade, now you say save, save my life, um, <laughs> potentially there. So they trade. Uh, but then what's really struck me, and I wrote about this in, in my recap too. To me, that's quid pro quo. You help me. Here's one of my pills. Right. But she still asks him, what do you want? It's yeah, like she's, I know. Like what? And it made me so like to me, it comes from a, a place of like she's so feels so worthless. Yeah. Probably she's gotten to this stage and has feels like she has nothing to live for that. It's always about what she has to do, what she has to give, yeah. you know. And yeah, it was very sad to me. So, I mean, that was that was my interpretation. But it really, it really struck me, you know, that she still was like, OK, what do you want? But he took the opportunity to, to ask her some questions. So anybody remember the three questions? A little trivia, Pete. Where are we? Why doesn't anybody ever leave? Uh-huh. I don't remember the next one. And the last one was do you, basically asking her, oh, do you want to, do you really want to get time, off the pills? How many times have you been here? Mm. He asked her that also. Did he ask her that or was that on the plane? Anyways, but the, the third question was asking her about, did she really want to get off drugs? You know, he saw her at that meeting. So location wise, she says, uh, quote, south of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> Lots of answers for that trade. <laughs> does anybody ever try to leave? Um, she talks about some people being, quote, disappeared when they kind of got that idea in their heads. And then as far as, you know, did she really want to quit the drugs? She basically goes into her backstory. She got on the pills because of carpal tunnel. She was working a desk job at carpal tunnel, got on the pills. And, and then she starts talking about Daisy, her daughter, and how she would leave when she got really messed up on the drugs. And one time she did not come back. Um, so, of course, Bosch knows part of this story already but it's it's you know it's tough to hear it again and yep. to see her in that, yep. in that position so uh she said she thinks that's enough she doesn't want people to get the wrong idea so what do you think that meant <laughs> like what are like do you not want to make like alliances in this type of environment do you, do you is everybody supposed to yeah. be a loner what, yeah. what what do you think that was about um I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to if you're if you're running a a drug empire like this and you have a lot of unknowns and you know twenty different people, it's a divide and conquer thing. Mm-hmm. You can't have them teaming up or ganging up because you already can't really trust them. Yeah. So if it looks like people are teaming up, then mm-hmm. it causes suspicion. Suspicion either results in death. Or mm-hmm. you no longer get to be part of it, or you don't get the product you were there for. I mean, there's so many things that they have to keep that kind of status quo of that yeah. camp. And I, I really think that's what it came down to is it can't look like something's happening or mm-hmm. they're yeah. discussing a plan or, I mean, okay. whatever it may be. Okay. All right. Well, they do go on another pharmacy run. The, uh, Crown Valley Pharmacy. Everybody gets out of the van, gets in line. Bosch goes over to the perfume cosmetic section, grabs something, slips in line behind Elizabeth and in front of Trey, who's like, "What's what up? You know, what are you doing?" And you know, yeah, I think yeah. he, does he just give him a look or something? <laughs> so, and uh, he slips that in her backpack, yeah. the the perfume that he mm-hmm. that he picked up, 
And then she reacts because she feels something. She's like, you know, ask him, what are you doing? And um, he's like, sorry, sorry. You know, and he gets out of line and he tells the security guard at the door that that woman had pocketed some perfume and she gets arrested. Dun, dun, that. Uh, what do you Bosch, think of that? Bosch was a good shoplifter, man. You see that? <laughs> yeah, he, he watched was, the cameras. He watched where he the was, cameras were. Yeah, no, and he was very <laughs> sly, like a little, and then sly sticking it in her backpack, too. Yeah, like, yeah. wow, he's got a second career. I mean, yeah. if this police thing doesn't work out. <laughs> That's uh, part of that, that adaptability, Pete. See? He's adaptable. But what, what genius? What genius? He knows he's got to do something. What a what a genius way to cause a ruckus to get them out of there, but also get the police involved, mm-hmm. which he needs. Yeah, just yeah. total brilliant move. Yep. Total brilliant move. Absolutely. But, but he put a piece of paper that had a message on it in the girl's pocket, and he had a hope and bank that that girl, lady, woman, was not going to check her pocket. By the time from then until she gets to the store to, in order to do that diversion. We don't know how much time has passed. What if she checked the pockets and was like, oh, let me see if I have another 80. Oh, I don't. What's this letter? Oh, let me give this to Walsh. Walsh. <laughs> Boom. No. Uh, oh, do you think he put you, Okay. Here's a question. Do you think he put that note in her pack before he they put, stopped at the pharmacy or when the, he or no, when he put the. He put the. I, I did a lot of research on this, and I watched the episode like three times. And I just, I was very interested in how he did this. Okay. He put that piece piece of paper in her pocket when he talked to her and gave her the eighty for the information. When he asked those questions, oh. if you look down, he goes to pick up whatever it is that she dropped. She looks down and he's going to pick that up, and he drops the thing in her pocket. Because when okay. I'm watching that, I'm like, I'm like, what is he doing in that pocket? Then I saw that, and then I, I, I saw what he did in the store, and I was like, oh, that's how this came about. But it was very risky to me that she didn't check her pocket and yeah. be like, oh, what the hell is this? Why, you know, what's going on? Tell yeah. somebody, and then that nah, was- nah, she's she's focused on the mission. Even if she puts her hand in her pocket, she's like, oh, it's a receipt from Taco Bell from three days ago. Like, well- yeah. I, that's that's good eagle eyes there, Pete. I did not catch that, so very good. But to Jay's point, also, I mean, she she couldn't even bother to pick up her own lighter off the ground. It's true, you know. True. I mean, so I see what Jay's saying as well. You know, it's not likely that she's going to be, you know, real aware of stuff in her backpack. You know, but but yeah, but it was it, it was a risk, and that's really cool that you. Saw, I didn't I didn't see that that he he planted that. Um, earlier so he's a genius it was it was a good move mm-hmm. it was a good move that's, i was like there's no other way to get a message across without blowing your cover that's a perfect example of boshing right there and that the hashtag boshing i second sure. that so yeah she gets uh taken away and and he's he comes out and he tells stones the the van driver that uh she had lifted something you know and the cops are coming so they rush to get out of there so, again, he's kind of inserting himself a little bit, you know, yeah. you know, with the management or whatever you want to call them. And it does create some suspicion. And then this guy, Trey, tries to call him out and says that he and Liz are, you know, running some type of scam. And so uh, Bosch does get called in to talk to Walsh again. But before that, 
we have a big moment. He saves the dog. Okay, good. I was glad you're going to talk about that. Yeah, we got to talk about that. When you said big moment, I was like, oh no, which one is she going to talk about? It can't be the dog. I was supposed to talk about the dog. That was supposed to be yeah. my move. Okay. Well, go ahead. Talk about the dog. Um, I love dogs and I love Bosch and I love that Bosch saved the dog. And if that guy would have hurt that dog on TV, I would have wrote him a hate mail or a hate tweet because I don't like people who hurt animals at the end. There you go. I, I am team Pete right now. Yeah, I can't I can't have that. I cannot have that. So, yeah, that was I mean, I tell you, that was emotional for me. Yeah. Um, um, can, I, can I just point out that's yeah. kind of a uh, it's an emotional moment you don't see from Bosch. Mm-hmm. That's you know, point, yeah. like his mm-hmm. guard is down. He's like, heck no, this is something I like I care about. And you never yeah. really know what Bosch cares about. I mean, you know he cares about like Maddie and stuff, but yeah. beyond that, you don't really know. But we all got to see that. Yeah. And you're right. It wasn't any sort of calculated response or action. Right. It was emotional. Very good, Jay. I like it. Yeah. Yep. Getting to see more inside there but uh yeah they question him about that too when wash talks to him it's like you know what what's your deal you know trying to step in and save the dog you know and he he tries to you know play it off saying it's bad luck you know you shouldn't kill a dog shoot a dog um and they're like you know he he tries to turn the blame on trey and liz he knows she's been taken off so he doesn't have to worry about throwing her under the bus he said that they're running um some kind of scheme and he says, you know, if I'm causing a problem, you know, just you know, send me home. Fine. You know, that was a little bold. Oh, I mean, risky. Yeah, <laughs> risky. Yeah. <laughs> you were told like two scenes ago that the right. person who left right. disappeared. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What I bought too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of like, whoa, whoa, easy there. Easy there, Bosch. Um, but they, they they let him go again. But after they do, um, you know, Walsh is just, he's not sure. He's real. He's on the fence about Bosch. So making us nervous, making us He's nervous. A smart guy, that Walsh. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> oh dear lord! <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's shift back to uh, Maddie a little bit, just about her frustration. Anything you want to say about her her worries about her dad, her frustration? She calls Billets. She goes to Billets and talks to her. And, and Billets tries to reassure her. I mean, to me, all very natural reactions and, and actually very composed. I mean, I, I would just flip out. I don't know. She's kind of she's kind of annoying me. Settle down, girl. Okay. You know Bosch has to do this stuff, all right? And I know he's your dad, all right? And you haven't heard from him and nobody's telling you anything. But this isn't the first rodeo for anybody, okay? Uh- yeah. No, okay. no, yeah. no, it's not. No, okay? I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing right. with you. And, you know, like, just chill. Just just relax, okay? Because otherwise, you're going to do something stupid. And stupid is what gets people killed. So settle yourself, Maddie. Just keep redacting your documents. You'll be home soon, <laughs> all right? That's, that's all I'm going to say. All right, Pete, what do you think? Maddie's frustrated? How about my frustration of having to watch this show and see Maddie show up at Tom's family fancy party at the end of the episode when she has a boyfriend back home? What are you doing? And with Tom of all people? Come on, man. That's what I feel about Maddie right now. (laughs) Okay. 
Okay, note taken, note taken. Well, let's talk about um, uh, Jay. Jay brought up the Sharpie. You brought up the party. So let's get into it. Um, We have another situation where Tom is trying to, quote, help Maddie, but he's, like, telling her what to do, how she could do something better. Right. And she knows that the, the DDA that she's working for wants it done with the Sharpie or whatever, and that works just fine, and he doesn't need to interfere. Is he interfering? Is it annoying or is it cute, sweet? <sighs> I don't know how to answer that. It's probably a little bit of everything. I mean, it's cute that he cares, kinda. Okay, and it's sweet okay. that he cares, kinda. Um, but, but it it is her job and for her to figure out. And he's not really like her supervisor or something no, to no. to do that. So he should just shut his mouth and let her do her thing. I mean, if she was doing something wrong, wrong, okay, step in and say something. Um, okay. But I, I, I don't, don't think he, I don't think he completely knows who he's de- dealing with here. I mean, he's, he's obviously very fond of her, but I don't think he's ever met a Bosch before. Um, yeah, that's so true that's too. one thing. That's, that's true one too. thing. Yeah. And I do think he's genuinely trying to just have a connect with her, you know, during the day. Like, I want to help you. I want to I want to talk. I want to have a reason to talk to you, you know, whatever. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, you know, harmless. But we know Maddie Bosch better than he does. And we're like, don't tell her what to do. Don't tell her right. how she can do something better. So it's. I think it's a lot of it's just our perspective. So. Um, I, I hold on, hold yeah, on. Yep, go ahead. I want to say this because I haven't been a big fan of Tom, as you know. But this scene, it was the only time so far that he's been on screen that I kind of was like, you know what? That was pretty cool. I didn't hate him. So I don't know <laughs> if he's growing on me or if it was just a cute, sweet thing and I related to like him just, you know, even if he, no matter any way you meant it, it was a good way to open up a conversation. It was a good way to interact. It was a good way to mm-hmm. see the type of person that you are dealing with since he doesn't know. So yeah. I thought it was a good move by Tom all around. I give him thumbs up for that. Other than that, thumbs down. But yeah. that moment. Tom should probably go hang out with Walsh now too, right? Right, Pete? Because, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, so Tom's a bad guy? He's in law enforcement. Now, now get out of here, man. Well, we did confirm last week with uh, – writer Shaz Bennett, who was kind enough to join us on the podcast, that all of this reaction to Tom was was never expected. So it, it's isn't it just kind of mind blowing how the fandom has you know received Tom and he wasn't, you know, planned that way, but it can have such an emotional oh, great. Reaction. You know what that means? That means we're gonna get three more seasons of Tom now. Damn it. <laughs> hey Tom, Tom, we want ten percent of that check now, buddy. We just we just kept you going for three more dang seasons. Dang it. Oh, See what we did, Pete? Oh, man. Well, he is husband material, according to oh. Maddie. Da, 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 da. You think Bosch will have that cane walking down the aisle? <laughs> moving, you're moving too fast on me, Pete. Too fast. I'm just but, throwing some yeah, ideas I never... here of possibilities. Okay. okay. But I, I just find that really interesting, the, the power of television and storytelling, that it, 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 a lot of it's open to interpretation. So much of it is. So, all right, the party scene. So she did agree to go to the party. She's by herself at one point. There's just people everywhere. He comes up, talks to her. I mean, I would feel overwhelmed. There was, you know, just the volume of people there. And they talked about this on, or what? 
Or guilt? Why guilt? Because doesn't she have a boyfriend and she's out to oh. the dude's party? Like, with his family? Listen, listen, listen. I, I'm going to save this for later because this is a part of my question for later. So I'm not even going to get into that now. But stay tuned, people. It's coming. So when they talked about this on the X-Ray roundtable with the writers and actors about how um, it was so it was it was a very poignant scene because he asked her about her family and she right. says it's smaller, you know, so <laughs> the, the, I, I know. But I mean, and it, it but it's I mean, I know you don't mean it that way, Pete, but it's not funny. I mean, it's really emotional that she sees this guy with all these all this family right. and family friends and this big, you know, group. Total and she different has world. one person. She has right. one person and she right. doesn't know where he is. And it's not that she just doesn't know where he is. He was supposed to be home and said he would, and he's not. So she knows something has gone sideways, you know. So so she does end up leaving the party. She she doesn't say goodbye, and she heads back to the house. And you know, you see her on the balcony, there looking out um, at Los Angeles and the stars. And then we shift over to Harry lying there, um, I guess, on the bus looking up at the stars and it's it's i thought that was a really cool visual a really cool scene that they're they're kind of kind of connected them but they're so far apart but i did i did have a different interpretation of that scene okay um wasn't it last season that him and um well his wife's name was eleanor yeah 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 wasn't it a thing where he took her to go see the shooting stars and there was like five or six of them or something that's how they knew to make a decision and when they were talking oh, about something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought maybe that they were looking up um or at least mad at that first part to see like come on ma give me a sign that dad's all right oh uh, that's interesting like, that's I, interesting. I, I I took that I was like and then I yeah. saw Harry looking at it and I was like maybe they're both looking for yeah. the, the, the thing to to tell him it's all right because they both are disconnected right now. I'm like way that. too embarrassed after that, after what you just said, to tell you what I thought about that scene. Way <laughs> too embarrassed. Oh, come on. Spill it. Now, you know what that made me think of? Uh-huh. And, and our listeners are going to be like, I never even heard of this. Did you ever see the kids' movie, An American Tale? Yes, yes. Bible? Yes. Somewhere out there. Right, right. They're singing and the so yeah, they're yeah. looking up at the stars, like missing each other, wondering what's going on. Yeah. And so I'm watching this and I'm like, Hey, it's an American tale. Which one is Fievel? And so that—that's where that's, I went. I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking too. I don't know that I made the direct reference to the to the movie, but that movie is what you know gets that idea in my head of people looking up at this right. guy. Yeah, so right. that was a good catch. All right, we're just gonna highlight a few things. Who is the chief talking to? They're giving him some grief about his interview or chat with Robson. What what was their role? Do you know? I wondered that too. I wasn't sure if that was like a political thing or somewhere on like the legal side of thing. I didn't know who that was. Okay. We'd like to know if anybody knows because they talk, I think they mentioned the board. So I don't know if it's like something with the police commission, but, you know, they were basically saying that there's some concerns that he, right. you know, used inappropriate leverage in, in talking to him, you know, about that, you know, just on his own. So... Uh, but he said it was just a casual, you know, chat, you know, just between a, a chief and and one of his officers. So you know, he you know, he downplays it. But I mean, I could see their concern, you know. I mean, someone could try to say it was intimidate him. So and we've got Anderson running around, Scott Anderson from the L.A. Times, trying to 
get in touch with Bosch. He even tries to go through Maddie to get to Bosch. And she promptly tells him that she is not her dad's secretary. I Good like that. Maddie. Good yeah, for Maddie. This Anderson guy. I don't like him. It's not like I hate him. Like a, He's not a bad guy. I'm just like, yo, get out of my show, bro. I don't need to. I, I wrote right in the middle of all my notes. Mr. <laughs> Anderson is a slime ball. That's <laughs> See, exactly what I wrote. That is exactly so, so for Pete, he's not a Marcos or an Arius, but he's not a Walsh. He's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I just don't need him on my screen. There's so many other characters I want to see that I'm interested in. And then you got this guy who you know is just going to stir up a bunch of, you know, stupid stuff that's going to cause problems for my people. Because yeah. he wouldn't be there if it wasn't the case. So it's like, you think he, you think this guy's here to be like, oh, yeah, the whole boss crew is great. Ha, ha, ha. No, he's there to well, bury somebody. I think if if we thought back carefully, which we're not prepared from prior seasons, I think there's probably been times, get it, L.A. Times, <laughs> when when he's written something that has been to their favor, you know. I mean, the the, the media can go either way, you know. Jesus I mean, at least in, in the books, spoiler alert, you know, Bosch has, has been known to use the media to help him, you know, with something. So, but yeah, at this point in the game, in this storyline, he seems very pesky, you know, just always there nipping at their heels, you know, trying to get information. But the worst part is he does get his editor to agree to run the story, even though he hasn't spoken with Bosch directly. And the editor says, run the story and include a picture of Harry Bosch. Yeah. Not good, not good. So the, putting... so the other guy's a slime ball too, who told him to run the, to run it with Bosch's face. Yeah, I agree. So, um, yeah, so that's you know that's uh, that is our big scary, one of our big scaries at the end of this episode. Lieutenant Billets, she uncovers some more statistics that seem to have been doctored. Uh, trivia, Pete, do you remember which two? Uh, divisions she finds have also had sort of um, the quote rosier stats. Um, she names two no, places. I'm not even going to guess Wil- two towns that are next to them. <laughs> she says Wilshire and Pacific um, also have. So it's this this uh, this animal is growing. This um, yep. this issue and it's not good. Um, and Honey Chandler makes a visit to Judge Sobel. And kind of puts the bug in her ear that she's going to request standing. And she's like, well, yeah, you better have a good reason because she doesn't see a reason for it yet. But um, they're cordial, you know, uh, seems like they might even be, you know, friendly. And but it's a, a quick visit. But we definitely want to talk about two more storylines. Um, Marcos and Arius. Pete. Oh. <laughs> Jay Edgar shows up, I guess, like at a coffee shop to talk with them again about the Gary murder. And he sees someone leaving just as he's walking in. He just, you know, you know, Jerry, he's always looking out, you know, what's going on. He's like, who was that? And they they talk about um, I forget where they said he was from, but it was a long way from this coffee shop. He's like, why would he you know, why? Why? They said he's a street source. Why would you have a street source come you know, such a long way um, to to do that especially they, considering it the last street source you met with ended up dead <laughs> good point point taken um 
And so we find out that he's uh, from Haiti, he's Haitian, and that he likes the beignets at that coffee shop. That's that's their story, anyway. Um, and they say he's his name is Jacques Avril. People call him Jackie April. You know, it's French. Um, Jerry just kind of takes the information in and talks to them for a little while. Leaves, goes back to the office and looks up some articles and kind of tracks down. Um, they say this guy runs a bunch of 7-Elevens or something, Chubham. And so he finds some articles about this uh, businessman starts a new life. And he's pulling up articles about the, the FRAF militia um, and Haiti support groups. Just a lot of back history um, about conflict in Haiti. And then this guy's from Haiti. He's trying to kind of put, trying to figure out who this guy is because he's obviously suspicious. So J. Edgar's on it. Um and it makes us even more suspicious, right, Pete, of Marcos and Arias? Because it, it seems like their story is not holding up with what Jerry's finding in the newspaper. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, from what mm-hmm. I saw, in a show like this, in a format like this, they would not show you anybody meeting these two guys, these two creeps. In the show, it is, there's no point in, in them showing you them showing you those guys meeting a street source on that show at this late in the season, unless that street source... To me, the first thing I thought was, this is a bad guy, and this is the reason why his friend's dead. That's yeah. what I thought. And I was yeah. like, this is all... And and people make it so obvious. Like, the, the holes in Border's story, and now the holes in Marcos and Area's story. Like, how easy can you make it for people like Bosch and Jay Edgar? They're just too smart for this, man. They're too crafty. Yeah, <laughs> but so, some things do turn out to be a red herring, you know? So, I mean, you, I get, you gotta give it that. They're super aware, and they're always watching... But not everything adds up. But yes, we we as the viewers are definitely suspicious, suspicious as well. But um, probably before we get it onto our interrogation and, and some of our other segments, Vega and Pierce, who wants to talk about that big scene? Because Vega really shows what she's made of when they go to cousin Rosie's house, and that that whole that whole thing, that whole scene was perfect and actually probably maybe my favorite of the episode because mm-hmm. you know they pull up and she's like all right let's go and he's like no we're gonna wait and here's why blah 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 mm-hmm. and it's like they're kind of feeling each other out kind of learning each other still whatever and uh you know the the mustang shows up and it drives by and he's gonna go and she stops him so they're kind of playing this back and forth like i know what we should do no i know what we should do rah 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 but they both handle it real well and then of course Mm -hmm. the guy comes back and off they go and uh pierce loved the driving buddy just take he should have just run him over by the way i mean i know that's (laughs) not appropriate but that's what i would have done if i was driving (laughs) So uh, nice drive, get there, boom, out the car with their guns, and she's she's a she's a total badass. Oh yeah, like, absolutely, she is. Yeah. Holy mackerel! Yeah, it's like don't mess around. You put that gun down, uh huh, and you're gonna do what I say, and you back up, get down on your knees, because yep. I just took she you down. Very specific, like, very no, she, specific, um, very in control. Yeah, but. She, uh, but that wasn't the what? most surprising part about her in that scene. The fact to me was the fact that she has a husband and a boyfriend and her husband oh. has a boyfriend. I mean, yeah. you can love whoever you want, but to have all those lovers more than one, it's just not my style, you know? Okay. Okay. We'll, we need to get back to the, what the, the, the epicness of the scene. But I do have to wonder, Pete, is she yanking his chain? 
or do you think she's serious? I, I didn't know. I couldn't tell. I was just like, I, Yo, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to let it play. <laughs> yeah. I, I Maybe we'll find out. So, yeah, because I, I was like, wait a minute. How do I read this? But, yeah, but then it shifts into high gear when they see him coming up, you know, with the gun. And, yeah, she's just, I mean, it's just so impressive. Um, the guy didn't try. He didn't try anything. Meanwhile, Jose Jr. makes a run for it. He was inside the house, of course. And he runs over the fence. To, I guess the the um and that dude the is officer dumb. Promise, yeah, well, so, I was going to say he's what so dumb. What are you dumb? Make, sit your butt down. Like, well, he's what? just afraid. He's just I don't so afraid. Care, man. Tracy, he's afraid because all he's done this season was get people killed that he cares about. That's all he's done. <laughs> he's he's out of his mind. Stop well, running to people. Yeah, but. He's afraid, but they do catch up with him. So they've got him in, in the Bakersfield station and Hart. And uh, Hart's not really, that's the, the big, the UFC fighter looking guy, as <laughs> Peanut called him. <laughs> they've got him there, but he's not saying much. So, but I think, I think in this episode, Pierce did say you, um, oh, I think he said something like, wow, you really handled yourself there. And, and, and what does she say? Oh, I'm just getting started. That's what she said. Yeah. I'm just getting started. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, she won me over. She won yep. me over. Yep. Good stuff. So, all right. If I if I miss something, I'm sorry, but we should move on into our interrogation yeah. room. I'm going to start out at, at pretty basic question. What was your take on the conversation between uh, Judge Sobel and Honey Chandler? They were so cordial, and they almost seemed like maybe they could be friendly, you know, outside the office or whatever. It, was that just a facade or does, do you think the judge has a real respect for honey and her talents in the courtroom, but knows that she might push the boundaries or that she has to be careful? You know, what, what, what do you, what was your take on that? Was I, it just, I love this scene. I love this scene a lot. Uh, and here's why I have a number of friends who are in the legal profession mm -hmm. and they are friends or friendly with judges. And some of the, ridicule that world that world gets mm -hmm. is how it's kind of corrupt and all the lawyers are in it together and the judges and the lawyers and rah 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 and i loved this scene because i think it painted it in the most realistic light possible and that yes they absolutely do know each other some are friendly some are not some are just cordial but these two obviously have some kind of relationship Mm -hmm. And what I liked about it is they could talk frankly. Yeah. And yeah. the judge is still the judge and yeah. told her, hey, if you don't do it, I'm shutting you down. I don't care who right. you are. And so for me, I really appreciated that because it shows that things do happen behind the scenes. People do work on things behind the scenes. But there isn't this like, oh, you're my buddy. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. No, yeah. you still got to do the right things. Yeah, You know, there's that respect for the law, respect for one another, respect for the procedure. I, I liked the whole thing. Yeah, Just I thought based it was. on that a aspect alone. And they got to the point, too, you know. Right. They, right. It wasn't like small talk. They were and respect each other, but they did get right down to business. But, yeah. What, what do you think, Pete? Did you have similar perspective or something else? Um, it seemed like they knew each other. It seemed like they were friends. And when I heard this conversation at that moment, the detective in me said, Bosch is definitely 100% going to get away with this because he didn't do nothing wrong. And I think this proves it. So to me, it was a big moment because that, that made any 
there was nothing at this point that Borders had left in his case because I was worried about Bosch not being there to handle his business, but Honey Chandler took care of it for him like a good lawyer would. So good for her, kudos to her and Hector, and it kind of just made me feel like, all right, I kind of got that down. I know that this other guy is no good, you know, Jacques Avril, and now I'm sitting here like at this part of the episode, and I'm like, okay, now how does Bosch get himself out of this because he's in trouble right now, I feel. Yeah, yeah. All right, who has a question they want to throw out? I could throw mine out right now before Jake's. Mine's a little less serious about – it's not really – you know me. I don't ask questions about the episode. I ask questions about things that I see. So Roll with it, man. Roll with it. Back to my Maddie thing. Okay. Okay. Love it or hate it, like it or hate it, her at Tom's house going to a family party such as this. This is a big step in a relationship. I mean let's let's just forget about the boyfriend for a moment and watch mm-hmm. focus on her and Tom. I felt like this was a big step as far as, oh, I'm just talking to a guy. I'm just seeing a guy. This is like – bigger than a date if you ask me so i was wondering your opinions on is this a big step in the relationship and if so how big is it does this make it official what's going mm-hmm. on guys i think it could be construed that way i mean that's kind of my normal take on it if you invite someone to any event at, at your parents house and she even says that in the coffee shop she's like you want me to meet your parents and he's like he kind of says well it's not like that you know or whatever <laughs> you know it's, it's just a, a a family gathering okay well but yeah my my yeah, it seems kind of like a big deal to me. I mean, plus there are all those people. There's not just his parents. You know, it's a lot of people in his family. So I was even kind of surprised that she agreed to go because I, I did think I did think it was kind of a big deal. But Too you, soon, if you yeah. ask me. But big step. I just wish Tom <laughs> would go away. That's, that's all. I mean, I, I got I got nothing else. I got nothing else. I'm sorry. I just I don't listen. He's probably a fine guy. Just stay away from Maddie. All right. I don't know why I'm like overprotective of Maddie here, but I don't like it. Well, I think That's that is what it is. It is you being overprotective. It's not, I think it's more about that than it is about Tom. Who's good enough for Maddie, Jay? Who is good enough for Maddie? Jay Edgar, but he's too old and he's got his own issues. That's I mean, so but creepy. he's we, like her uncle. <laughs> we haven't, I, I mean, I'm using that as like a, a basis of a good guy for her. Yeah. There's, oh, nobody on the yeah. there's no one on the show yet. There's no way on the show yet. Yeah. Okay. How old is Pierce? He seems pretty cool. He's married. Oh, come on, man! What are you trying to do? His well, wife he... gave him the purse. Right. That's no longer there, thank God. Oh God. Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started. All right. What's your question, Jay? Jay, let's go. Um, I have I have two questions. The first one is a quick one, less serious one. Uh, did anybody else miss Crate and Barrel? Did anybody yes. else miss Crate and Barrel? Yes. Or was that Always. Just- and peanut. Okay. Yeah. I need more Crate and Barrel, and I need a Beansy appearance uh, at some point. We talked about Bosch's split-second decision-making and where he is in all this. And so my question is, this has such a ripple effect everywhere. Uh, yeah. Maddie, Mr. Anderson, the chief, Lieutenant Billets, Jay, I, I mean, the ripple effect is was... Was it really worth it, or is this split-second decision going to hurt him more in the long run, just from the strain, maybe, on the relationships with all these people? What do you think? Well, at this point in the story, if you would, if you, assuming we're just talking about this episode we and prior, we, we, don't, we don't know yet. We don't know if it's worth it. I mean, I, I don't know how you can measure that. It, I do see the risks stacked up. I give you that. But as far as what he's going to potentially gain from taking these risks i don't know how it balances out bad move 
Bad move across the board. Not worth the risk. Bosch should have known better. I said it earlier. I'm sorry. I, I just I don't think it was a good move. I I, I mean I don't mind where where it's leading to, mm-hmm. but you know you yeah he said you caused an avalanche effect that is going to run. It, it, someone's going to jab at him, especially I believe it's going to be Maddie in a future season about something like this. It's going to be a problem down the road. I I'm sorry. It is Fair sadness. Sadness. All right. Well, what was your, what do you think, Jay? You didn't really. What's your answer to your question? I, you know, I just, I, you know, I think I like kind of what Pete said in that uh, about future seasons, mm-hmm. because there's so much strain across the board. Yeah. That eventually, kind of everybody's gonna break. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know whether it's two episodes from now, twenty episodes from now, whatever. Like people don't forget this kind of stuff. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And even though it's for the greater good, I feel like it could be very damaging in the long run. I think we should definitely circle back to this after <clears throat> we finish. See, like, you know, when we do episode 10, we should definitely put this back on the... See where um, we're at. Yeah. It. Yeah. I think that's something we should, should definitely and evaluate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Persons of interest. Who wants to go first? Go for it, Jay. Man, I have I have so many. <laughs> I, re- I really have so many. Yeah, I know it's hard. Man, I'm I'm gonna go with I'm picking two, which I know is against the rules, but they're they're more minor. But I'm picking them both because they're both snakes. They're both slime balls, and they both are pivotal to a lot of things in this Bosch world. Okay. And I'm I'm gonna go with um, the uh, slime ball lawyer and the slime ball reporter. Just because the reporter, I mean, the media has a way of swaying so many things. That anything could come from that. This, this lawyer is just too overconfident and too, I don't even know what the right word is. Um, Are like, you talking um, about Cronin? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, he had the meeting with Scott yeah. Anderson. And he said, do you want to the record? Right, right, right. 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 Oh yeah! Oh yes, he was very slimeball in that. He just right. like, oh, yeah, so, making up. So, like for instance, when they're um, we're in when they're in that uh, uh, what do you call that room where the prisoners talk with their lawyers? When when they're in that room, right? He's he's getting screamed at, and he's just sitting back chilling in his chair, and he doesn't have a care in the world. Mm-hmm. And someone like that is scary to me. Mm-hmm. In any number of different ways. So those are my those are my two people of interest for this this episode. All right, I'll take it. What about you, Pete? Well, I my first person was going to be Cronin because, like Jay said, once that conversation happened, I was like, yeah, this guy's the master. I had asked this mm-hmm. question in the past: who's the mastermind of the Borders case? And obviously, it was yeah. Cronin from what I saw and what I heard. But um, more important question about the season and our people and our department um pierce let's talk about pierce for a second because i feel like jay egger and bosch are getting like more um spotlight in this Mm -hmm. season so far and -hmm. i feel like other characters have been kind of put in the background and you know robinson and i feel especially pierce even though they, they are getting screen time and they are valuable parts of this i don't know i feel like pierce should have be more of a main character. He should be more involved in this. I mean, come on, that's Pierce. Like, do you guys feel that he's kind of like 
not as high. Like, do you feel like the same way I do about like Bosch and Jay Edgar are in the spotlight spotlight? Like, you know, and then there's a couple other people below them as far as screen time and the way they're portraying it. Like, well, yeah, there's classifications. I mean, just you know, you look at the credits and he's going to fall in a different category. So, yeah, he hasn't been bumped up to you know that first section of the credits for and sure. And I want to know should why. He, yeah, <laughs> I mean, should he be? I'm all for it. I mean, I think his his role has has grown, and not just his role, but his character, you know, has had a lot of growth. A lot of people, he's a fan favorite. So I, I say, you know, the only way to go is up with him. More is good for me. I mean, I'm all for more Pierce, for sure. You, you know, I I um. I, I have to say I agree. I would love to see more of him. But on the flip side to that, right? So we have a very tense episode. This this whole episode, super tense, right? But if you go back to the scene in the car when they're outside in the house and mm-hmm. like uh and she's talking about her relationships, go back and watch it and check the reaction, kind of slight giggle and smile that comes from Pierce. Mm-hmm. That kind of that that was such a huge welcome break in the show from all the tension and all the craziness that that was a huge impact in that whole like six seconds of a smile. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. He's got an impact there. And then two, when he's in the car, he said something. I wish I could remember it. Uh, he, he quoted his former partner and he said, Patience, grasshopper. That's it. That's right. That's yeah. exactly what he said. And he sounded just like him to me. Did he? Yeah, sound- he did. He yes, sounds yeah. just like him. So, um, like that whole I don't know three minute scene or whatever, yeah. start to finish, was a huge impact yeah. in the show. So I kind of I think that's a, a valid pick because really yeah. we needed that break, we needed kind of that levity, and we needed that kind of creativity that Pierce mm-hmm. brought. Our screens there. Mm-hmm. So I I have to agree a little bit there. And the funny thing is, or interesting to me is, you know. Titus talks about Pierce, well, Dewan's acting um, in our interview, and he talked about how much Dewan Johnson can do with yeah. such a small scene. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's one of his greatest achievements, you know, so far in Bosch with this character is that it doesn't have to be a lot of screen time or it doesn't have to be a lot of dialogue, but his, his acting, um, it, it, it makes a big impact on the story and, you know, people have really embraced him. So good pick all around. I like it. So I went with Jay Edgar. I just, he's got a lot of irons in the fire right now and he's, you know, he's supporting his partner. You know, he's trying to stall billets He's trying to, you know, do what he can to try to reassure Maddie. But, you know, he's being there for Bosch. But, you know, he's also digging into this stuff with Gary. He's not, you know, he's a good guy. He's not going to let this go. He's going to figure out what happened, you know, to his friend. And he's, you know, he's persistent. You know, we talk about Scott Anderson being persistent, you know, Jay Edgar, he's being very persistent. He's, He's pulling up information. He's doing research. You know, he's. He's digging in. Um, yeah. let, me, let, me, so. let me tell you what I see. All right. This is what I see. I see Bosch is doing something big and Jay Edgar is doing something big. Mm-hmm. And this show has already been renewed for another season that we know of. And this show's got a lot of length. Mm-hmm. I, I could, I, I'm calling my prediction in the future a possible spinoff mm-hmm. with Jay Edgar. Mm-hmm. 
okay. being the the lead guy. So you could still have Bosch, still have a Bosch show, but also have a Jay Edgar show. And then you could cross cross like you know those Chicago shows cross. Yeah. You can cross the cases and have them work together, but you can also have them on the individual cases, and I'm all in for that. So, if that's a case, if that's a good prediction. Let's do it. Bosch Pacific Division. Bosch <laughs> Wilshire Division. <laughs> yeah. But you no, know, I like what you said, and at the panel that these guys did in Atlanta for the ATV Fest, uh, Conley mentioned the possibility of spinoffs. That the conversation there there was a mention of spinoffs that, that had been you know at least talked about. So I got really excited about that. So you might be on to something, Pete. What about a spinoff of my man Pierce? Uh, it, that there yeah. You go. Peanut and Beansy. Okay, let's quickly go through our evidence locker. Uh, we got some tip line feedback from at sister teacher, and uh, then I've got some news to share, maybe some trivia, and because we want to get to our interview. With Amy Aquino, Lieutenant Billets. Evidence Locker. We, you know, saw them loading up that stuff in the storage container at the camp. Something bigger's going on. Bosch gets a little bit of intel from Liz. They got Hart in custody. Not getting much from him, but they did get him. He's brought in yeah. and Jose Jr. And, oh, and, well, you didn't even mention how um, Jay Egger, my person of interest, he gets the call from the, what, Tehachapi police. And he drops everything at oh, night to yeah. drive out there because yeah. they've got Liz. So he knows that, you Hold know, fast. yeah, he knows that he's getting his connection to Bosch. You know, he, he sees it. He knows. So. Um, so, yeah, big stuff there. Anything else that we found clues or discoveries? Mm. I'm probably missing something, but I, don't, I didn't feel like this was a huge like clue information episode we just had a lot going on yeah yeah a lot going on all right jay do you have um our tip line uh feedback from matt's sister teacher don't i always uh, know of course. God. um yeah and i i'm gonna i'm gonna roll through this a little bit here so if i paraphrase it's just for length of time uh, she's kind of with us. Episode had her on eggshells. Um, it always had her asking the question, how is this going to work out? I feel like that's almost all the, these darn episodes. Dang it. Oh, and she talks about the reporter, uh, Scott Anderson, um, and how he's visible this season and how he's speaking with everyone and trying to connect with everyone to write the story. And she's wondering about the outcome of that. Well, I'm with you there. Talking about Harry getting on the plane to hell, as was told to him. Uh, definitely in the desert. And he, uh, she was concerned with all the questions he asked. But she kind of put him in his place, which I guess is the thing to do in that area. Finally got to see the outcome of uh, Russian roulette. And Harry is obviously still alive. Uh, and she said he kept good restraint. Which we oh, kind of yeah, talked about. about. He, de he yeah. definitely did. Mm -hmm. uh, super savvy when he put the pills in her bag. Told her on her. Got her. Got her arrested. The whole. The whole thing in the. Um, in the pharmacy. She was super impressed with that. Jerry talking about Jerry with the cops. Another thing that we talked about. Um, he let them know about another witness. Um, but she was glad he didn't give any name because, as she put mm -hmm. it, they'd wind up dead. 
which is a valid concern. He obviously inquired about the man he saw leaving, and they gave him some information. But it seems like he knew more than uh, he led them to believe. Uh, also liked how Jerry was honest with Billets and advocated for Harry so the cover would not be blown. Uh, good call. I like that, too. Can't wait to see the outcome of how everything goes with uh, Maddie visiting the lieutenant and uh, the chief calling the lieutenant. Everybody looking for Maddie or looking for Bosch. So she's interested to see how that goes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, she talks about um, both sets of attorneys on the good side and the bad side. And just how, um, uh, how Harry's an easy target, but he really isn't the bad guy here. She thinks the chief is. Uh, how Harry was wise to hire Honey Chandler. She liked the interaction um, with her and the judge because it lets us know as viewers that it looks like Harry is gaining ground, and I think Pete said something about that too. Um, so she's excited to see the outcome of that as well. So I like it because she's almost always on the same page as we are with a few little mm-hmm. extra tidbits in there. So yeah. thank you for that. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Hit me up with some trivia, Pete, and then I have an announcement to make before our interview. All right, easy, simple trivia this week. The first question is, when Walsh is talking to Bosch and says, Special Forces, I flew some of you around, what territory did he drive them around in? Or fly them around in, I'm sorry. Didn't he say South America? No, but it's close, so you're out. Dun, dun, dun. The con- they mentioned the Contras, so where? Well, your time is up. It is Central America. Jay was very, very uh, close. Yeah. I'm going back to watch that. I'm pretty sure it was South America. It was Central America. He's no, right. I'm going back to watch it. I don't believe it. You're going to, listen, if any, if I was watching anybody specifically this episode, it was my main man, Walls. We got to have a bug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, seriously. The harder question is, when that, that, that van that we've been seeing driving everybody around back and forth all day long. Mm-hmm. What is the license plate number on that van? I don't even think we ever saw it. I, oh, you can. If you freeze frame five different scenes during during the episode at five different moments, you can get all of it together and combine <laughs> yeah. it. Well, Walsh 101. Okay, right. so you guys aren't going to guess this, but I have a st- quick story yeah. behind this. Um, I saw that. I saw it real quick in a brief. Actual license plate is 4Q49974. All right. Good questions. All right. Before we get into our interview um, with Amy, June 3rd, we're going to be recording a special episode of the podcast with a panel of Michael Conley novel readers. So the idea was brought to my attention from Dempom, um, who moderates the Bosch TV subreddit on Reddit. And I think it's a great idea. We've got... um, a couple of other folks we'll introduce next week a, a panel of three and we're going to go through some different topics to help uh, new readers decide or, or give them information about getting into the novels because Rather. it can be a little it can mm-hmm. be a little intimidating like well i've watched the show so is it going to be spoiled and you know will i understand you know where do i start so just kind of a guide um and, and some uh, good information about how to approach the novels if you've only watched the show. So I think it's going to be uh, insightful and, and a lot of fun. I'll be moderating that next week. So keep an eye out for that drop. And uh, if you guys don't have anything else, we'll get on to our interview with Amy. Do it. Any last words? <laughs> um, no, I want to hear Amy talk now. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. All right. 
Goodbye, everybody. See ya! Ladies. First of all, I just want to tell you again how exciting it was to meet you at SCAD ATV Fest in February. That was, that was fun. That yeah, was very was, cool. You've just been in so many projects that me and my whole family have loved over the years. I mean, I, I saw you in Beautiful Boy this year. You just, you crop up everywhere. Oh, good. Awesome. Yeah. It's such a great job. Great. Great. So, um, thank you. To jump into Bosch uh, Season 5, Bill is as busy as usual. Season 5 opens. She now has a sensitive situation on her hands with crate and barrel. Mostly Beryl, who seems to be having issues with his hearing. What can you tell me about the issues involved when a detective begins to experience physical impairments related to age or otherwise on the job? Wow, that's that's probably even a, a better question for uh, Missy Roberts because yeah, she yeah. deals with it all the time. But mm-hmm. um, you know, typically these guys are have been they have been well, especially Beryl is is pretty old. A lot of uh, detectives would have retired by now because they get a great, you know, retirement mm-hmm. um, yeah. package. And so a lot of them will have retired by his age. Uh, the reason he hasn't is because he's been, he's multiply divorced and uh, he doesn't want the money to go to his ex. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, a, which is, a, and it's fun because we actually get to, we bring back some of his exes, which was great. Oh, wow. um, okay. At one point in this, in this episode, um, you know, it's a, it's. I'm sure it's a delicate thing. I think that I, I suspect that most cops don't want to put themselves in harm's way, and because they're already in harm's way, just by right. virtue of what they're they're doing. Um, yeah. And I, I think so, but in his case, he he's. You know, because he's not a beat cop, he's not, right. you know, as a detective, they're not, they're generally going after the crime has been committed. So it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a big, a big issue. I think it has much more to do with his pride than anything else. And, okay. and mm-hmm. the fact that he's just been there a long, long time, much longer yeah. than most cops. So it's a very, what I love about the storyline with, the both of them is, mm-hmm. um, and we got to see a little bit with Craig as well last year. But is that you know we we got they've always served the 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 role of the you know lightness, adding the fun yes. and mm-hmm. et cetera. And this season, you get to see them as real people, and you get to see mm-hmm. you know how they work. You get to see yeah. them actually uncovering on their own with no help from mom. Um, mm-hmm. And like last year with KTK, uh, yeah. they uncover, a, you know, a big issue just by using okay. their detective skills. And you get to see them get, you know, angry. And uh, yeah. you see all these sides of them. They really, they, they truly become three-dimensional characters in a way that we haven't always been able to see. And yeah. And what I love about the season is that I get to actually be a part of that and get to play with them okay. in that way. And and it's just fascinating. It's true of the whole season for me with kind of with, with all of our characters. Um, okay. With all the guys, my guys, with all my assholes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, I, as I said two seasons yeah. ago, I didn't really want to leave my assholes. Anyhow, 
Right. And this season, you really, Grace is, you see her doing her job as a leader okay. um, mm-hmm. and a manager and someone that you, who has to keep things going. It's not the, you know, the big exciting car chases or foot chases, but it's mm-hmm. what keeps the position and the department functioning well. And I, and yeah. that's kind of been, that's really kind of great with this season. Awesome. Awesome. I like the sound of that. Now, um, Clayton Barrel get assigned to CACS after the accident. Can you explain more about what yeah. CACS is for those who may not be? Well, it's, it's, it's crimes against persons. Okay. So it's, you know, it's a softer, but you know, no deadly weapons. It's the okay. annoying for, for, Cops that are used to dealing with solving murders, it's pretty, it's a big old downgrade. It's, it's, you're dealing with people who are cranky, who might mm-hmm. be bringing the charges just because they're mad at their boyfriend or their girlfriend, whatever. So it's, right. a, it's considered a huge demotion, but it's what, mm-hmm. you know, I get the word again. I'm, Grace, in her position as a lieutenant, is always having to strike this balance between what yeah. her superiors want her to do and what she feels is the right thing to do. And it so rather than we don't want we we're not gonna just fire these guys mm-hmm. but instead you demote them and you put them into um a situation and into a job that they really are not interested in. Now right. in this case as I said, and I don't know if you saw it by season five or, or by episode five or not, they mm-hmm. it ends up becoming very interesting, and they they solve a or find evidence of a crime that nobody really knew existed. Okay. So it's but also very complicated. It's not not a a full out crime crime, and it has nothing to do with the individual members of the public. Mm-hmm. It, but it's so it's more complicated than that. But it's because right, they're okay. really good detectives, and they exactly know yeah. it, and they see okay. it, and um, yeah. So, but it, but it's definitely it's it's a desk job with a capital D, and okay. these guys are used to they're just used to being out there and looking at corpses and you know mm-hmm. finding that terrible killer, and there are no terrible yeah. killers in caps. Well, that sounds very intriguing. Well, is it safe to say that? Harry's undercover operation is going to give Grace some gray hairs this season. Yeah, for a change. For a change. <laughs> you know, once again, Grace has to, to walk that tightrope between yeah. what the rules are and what she has to do and what he is asking her to do based on his gut and his mm-hmm. um, his instincts, which is what he always goes with. And right. it's a it's a very tough one because in this case, you know, it's not just, oh, you're going off the reservation and you might blow the case. In this case, it's, oh, you've gone so far off the reservation that you may fall off a cliff. And right. if you do fall off a cliff and I haven't done what I am supposed to do, now it's mm-hmm. really going to be a problem. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the hardest, conceivably the hardest sort of balancing act that she's had to do. And she's dealing with... You know, with uh, with Edgar, who is you know Jay Edgar, and um, kind of he's the only really knows what's going on. She's got to make tough choices, and it's not it's not easy. 
And then, you know, thankfully the writers set it up that it's not, she doesn't end up being a complete jerk in Harry's yeah. eyes or Peter Roger's right. eyes. This is kind of a curiosity. Last season um, shed light on the power, both good and bad, of social media. Do you think this season of Boss sheds light on any current cultural phenomenon or issues? Well, certainly the opioid epidemic. It's, yeah. you know, that's what it's about. Anybody who's read mm-hmm. the, the book has mm-hmm. knows that to begin with. Um, right. So that's, that's kind of an obvious mm-hmm. part. You know, inter- we always we avoid politics, which is a good thing, uh, and that's certainly been a big issue mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, and there is also a you know an, a, a side story about officer involved shooting and mm-hmm. and the use of cameras, body cameras, and okay. yeah, it's you know what does that tell you and what does it not tell you, mm-hmm. and okay. you know, to what to what degree do you need to be should the government and the judicial system and the public be counting on them and do they do mm-hmm. you know does it do more harm than good and that's a that's a big issue and that you know that's been the ongoing issue yeah, yeah. season one with the show is the relationship between um law enforcement and the general public and and how do you judge when when an officer has gone too far mm-hmm. and, right. and when they are simply protecting their own life as they have every right to do. Yeah. So that's that's a very interesting one. You know, look, it's it's all about these it's all about truth and what are the truths. And you know, this season has a lot to do with truth pretty much in every storyline and there are several yeah. in there. Okay. What's the truth? Okay. Does it need how do you define it? At what point is it mm-hmm. make sense to expose it? Mm-hmm. And and it affects that sort of thing affects everyone because you know nearly everyone there is a you know what's Bosch doing or can we be open about the fact that you know he's undercover um, mm-hmm. or will that get him killed right. you know this this situation the crate and barrel uncover is somebody going to lose their job uh you know is there for having brought it up mm-hmm. and then you know a major issue with uh involving the chief Irving. And going okay. back years and years and years and years. Okay. And that's, okay. And that's a really fascinating bit as well. Mm. Um, you know, it's and we we deal with that. We dealt with that another another season, season three, when um, I think it was the last the last episode of season three when when um, J Edgar's recovering mm-hmm. and Bosch comes by and and you know he says to him, I. You know, I didn't, you were worried about whether or not you wanted to work with me, and now I'm not sure I want to work with you, because he discovers some truth. Yeah. And there, yeah. there's there's just so much gray area around that, and mm-hmm. it's so, the point is made over and over that it's really very difficult to do the work that needs to be done and also follow the letter of, uh, letter of the law. And mm-hmm. every regulation. I think, you know, we see Bosch overstep it sometimes. I felt like, you know, in season three he probably did. It was an uh, it was a yeah. that was a really kinda icky choice that he made. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. it was such a powerful scene when, when J. Edgar said that to him. Like yeah, mm, that yeah. just tells me something about you that I don't want to know. I know that you're you know, yeah. you you're all about bringing people to justice, but that makes yeah, okay. And and that's that's what's so brilliant about the whole series and and brilliant mm-hmm. about the writing of the books 
And Steffi, he, yeah. he lets there be all this gray area. Nothing gets tied up yeah. neatly. It's so compelling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, this is on a personal note. Will you be jamming again this year? Funny I will. Well, it's funny you should ask. I, I was, you know, last year when I went to, you know, I was harvesting the, the berries and they, they, they ripen at different times. So I would harvest them and clean them and, uh-huh. and freeze them and yeah. uh, vacuum pack them. When I went to make jam, I realized, you know what, last year my entire freezer was full. This year, <laughs> barely half of it is full. What's the story? Oh, yeah. And I finally did some digging around literally and figuratively and uh-huh. realized that my new gardeners had basically suppressed um, any new growth. So oh. this year I went in there with my new new gardeners and we <laughs> dug up the eight inches of mulch that was suffocating all the new growth because oh. the okay. need to, to grow. They, that's yeah. how they reproduce it vegetatively, and you need to get the new growth each year, the new stuff. Uh-huh. And also, it wasn't getting water. You know, I had all this mulch, and so when it did rain, the mulch would get wet, and there nothing would make it to the soil. So it was really a bad uh-huh. situation all around. So I spent a lot of time this year, and I'm very, very excited that I've got a ton of new growth. I don't know how much of it's going to have time to produce, but okay. we'll definitely make some of this jam. But then I also put up, I have a big persimmon tree, and I had a ton of persimmons and I uh, I strained them and froze them. So I'm going to try some persimmon jam as well. Oh, which okay. I've never done. And then okay. the other thing I really want to do and I kind of put out there and I'm going to, I think I've got uh, the right person as a, a neighbor of mine who, her oh. two gorgeous, funny, smart, outrageous young daughters who came over, they were doing a lemonade stand to raise money uh-huh. for some wonderful cause. And uh-huh. I had them come over and pick avocados to sell at the stand to and because I've got a lemon tree. But mm-hmm. they, I want to see if they want to start like um, a neighborhood team to collect mm-hmm. lavender because where I live, so many people use lavender as a landscape plant. And so uh-huh. the, just, you know, there's, there's so much of it around here. And you don't pick, you know, how much can you use? Most people don't think to use it, but this lavender is purple, yes, which That's is right. the color of Alzheimer's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they could start collecting and start drying, and they could, we could do lavender sachets and mm. offer them to people who donate money. And it would be a lot easier to nail, by the way, than a jar of jam. Okay. <laughs> I, I did, by the way, I, I squeezed out like three dozen jars of jam, maybe, you know, maybe 40 of them last year. Uh-huh. And I, and I had, but, but I had, once again, I had so many people donate um, over 250. So I, I put it off and put it off because I was, it's like, I don't have enough jam. What am I going to do? And then when I finally sat down, I was, I was able to get it out, but I, I did it on the, I think I sent it out on the shortest day of the year. <laughs> I said, okay, made it on the longest day, getting out to you on the shortest day. I don't want any complaints. Here's your jam. Merry Christmas. We will, but I will definitely be doing it. And uh, actually, Lily Tomlin, I got to work with Lily Tomlin. I did an episode of uh, Grace and Frankie, and I had the best time. She's so phenomenal. And and we we spent a lot of time just sitting and waiting while they do their 
beautiful lighting, God bless them, because they light for middle-aged women or older women. And mm-hmm. but we got to chat a lot, and I was talking about my garden and and you know and the different activities. And so when I left, I, I on my last day, I brought her a, a little bag of parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme, avocados, mm. and jam. And she was nice. And I, when I invited her to come and jam, so we'll see if she's if she's not. Uh, oh, very cool. If she's not working, maybe she can yeah. come over and help do some jam. So that's very she cool. Wants to, mm-hmm. She wants to donate. So yeah, I'm very excited about about my uh, my longest day. I actually, and it, it's even more meaningful because now one of my she's maybe my oldest living cousin, and she just got hit with it. So I've got you know my dad's family. Okay. There were six six of the twelve yeah. siblings, and now I've and now I've had two cousins as well. Okay. So okay. it's um, it's meaningful. Very, very meaningful. Well, speaking of family, I always like to find out how your nephew Anthony is doing. And I'm curious if ah! he visit the set during uh, filming for season five. Did he get to make another set? Oh, he was. He came out. We had a great time. He visited. <laughs> he got to see uh, to Mitzi, Mitzi and Tim and okay. um, Gregory and, and he, Gregory Scott Cummings, who plays great. Um, yeah. They are like best friends. He, I just literally, yesterday, Anthony is quite amazing. He He's the guy in the family who keeps the family connected in this beautiful yes. way. And every time there's a mm-hmm. birthday, he yeah. organizes a conference call for everybody to be on the conference call to sing a happy birthday. And then yes. yesterday, just yesterday, I got, I think, two emails from him saying, hey, you know, hi, Grace Phillips, Lieutenant Grace Phillips, how are you? <laughs> Anthony is. Here it is. Hello, all. And he sent an email to a bunch of people, and he said, what's going on with you today? And I said, I'm doing some gardening today and getting ready to go to Arizona for five. He just, you know, yeah. he just reaches out yeah. and does it. So he had, I love it. Yeah, he had a great time last year. Uh, I gave him a, and actually his Christmas present, because when he was on the set last year, Titus, who was always so lovely to him, um, gave him as a gift one of these great posters that he had made. He's got uh-huh. Titus as a friend who designs posters for him, and he yeah. signed it for him. So rather than him taking it back, I kept it here, and then I, I brought it back at Christmas, and, and I gave him for Christmas, I gave mm-hmm. him a, a certificate to get it framed. And oh, cool. he sent Very me cool. on in in his neighborhood because I wanted him to get out and meet these guys and they sounded really nice at a little you know mom and pop crazy mm-hmm. pop and it yeah. and he sent me a picture of him with this frame poster up in his room his prized cool. possession finish off with a game a little bit where we give you your choices I always like to do that um, and so this this season uh, we're giving you the choice between Gregory Scott Cummins or Troy Evans. So number one, your jam operation has become so large that you need to hire a second in command. Who gets the job, Gregory or Troy? <laughs> wow, they're both terrible choices. But um, <laughs> I think maybe Troy. I'll, I'll okay. call it Troy, but I, I might be wrong. I I think either one would probably be. Bad. I, I I'm gonna go with Troy. This is a gut thing because his wife's a blacksmith. I assume that he's used to like taking orders and knowing that okay. that people could get hurt if they don't do it right. right. Okay. Okay. We'll go with that. All right. Number two, you're trying to learn your lines for a new theater project. No one is around except for Troy and Greg. Who do you choose to run your lines with? <laughs> 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose I'm gonna choose Greg. I'm gonna choose okay. Greg for absolutely no reason, just okay. because okay. they both would be great. But Greg would be would be fun, and and I we mm-hmm. have a relationship around learning lines, so. Oh, okay. okay, very cool. All right, and the last one, you're down with the flu. Which of these gentlemen would bring over the best care package for someone who is sick, and what should it include? Well, I think Greg would because he's been like this caretaker, caregiver his whole mm-hmm. life. He um, he took care of his mom, and okay. it would mm-hmm. have chicken soup mm-hmm. because um, Matt and I have mentioned that to him, and it would have lozenges and it would have probably some kind of cookies and um when a massage gift certificate for when i felt better right and yeah and some honey that he got from um that he got from troy i just have a feeling that troy would find out and he'd say here give her this honey i got at farmer's market Nice. I like it. I like it. It's a little bit from both. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, yeah. Big well thank you so much <laughs> for the time and for all the good teases for season five and insights. Um, it's just always such a pleasure. So two more weeks. Well, thank, and, thank you so much. Two more weeks. And yeah. thank you so much for all your support and enthusiasm. And thank you.